You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. All right, you can maybe be seated. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I want to just give a special welcome to anyone who may be joining us online today. Uh, for one reason or the other, you may be joining us. Um, and we just want to say uh, we're th- thankful that you're with us today. And uh, if you want to just indicate who you are online, that would be great. Well, it is uh, the last Sunday in the book of Romans. Uh, it has uh, been an incredible time together going through this book. We um, have taken just about two years to go through it. And I know that when we first kind of came into the book, there was this anticipation, like Romans, like we've heard really good things about this book, and we've read it, and we've been encouraged by it. We can't wait to study it together. And it has been such an anchor for us over the last two years of crazy town uh, life uh, that we've been living in, and just being like reminded of it's about the gospel, it's about the gospel, it's about the gospel, it's kept us grounded, and... and um, we just think about this overview, which, which ultimately Paul is giving us today. As we end off the book of Romans, there's this reminder once again of the things that he's spoken of. And verses 1 through 7 of chapter 1, it's like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about. And we get to the theme of the entire chapter in chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It has been that power that has been on display as Paul talked about the the fact that every single person on this earth needs salvation. We all need salvation because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need salvation because as a whole we have turned our backs on God who is the creator and instead have worshiped creation. And we're seeing that on display over and over again, even in our day. We're seeing God handing us over to depraved minds to do things that ought not to be done. The religious people of the world trying to earn their way into heaven, but again, over and over, falling short. And he gets to chapter 4, and he reminds us that it's only by faith. It's always been this way. He, he pointed back to the days of Abraham, and it was by faith that Abraham was saved. And so then he unveils, chapters 5 through 8, this magnificent salvation through Jesus Christ, that we can be justified through him, just as we have never sinned if we were to put our faith and trust in him. We are now free. Does that mean now we sin Because we are free? No, we've been freed from our sin. That's what chapter 6 is about. But there's still this flesh that we live in, and there's this wrestling that goes on, chapter 7. But God has given us his spirit, and he is saving us even today. And he is going to bring us to that end, that culmination at the end. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. and, And nothing and no one can ever separate us from his love. As we wandered into chapters 9 through 11, he shows us that there is a plan of salvation. We're going to see highlighted again here this morning, both for Jew and Gentile. A mystery that was unknown, but now has been revealed through Jesus Christ. 
we find out that our salvation isn't just for later, right? How many people in this world, and especially in our country, think that salvation is fire insurance for the end of your life? You just say this prayer and, 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 and it's magic. At the end of your life, you'll get to go to heaven. You'll just show them that card. Yeah, remember, I prayed this prayer on, on October 12th, 1973. See, that's not how it works. We see in chapters 12 through 15 that the salvation that God brings to us changes everything. And so we are no longer conformed to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds through his word. And then for the last, all those chapters he's been showing us, like, what does that look like now on a day-to-day basis in regards to our relationships with one another, in our relationships with the world, in a relationship with the government? What do you do when you think that you can eat bacon and your brother thinks he can't? How do you live that out? Every detail has been, has been spelled out to us over this last two years. And it's just an incredible book, is it not? Like, how can you not stop but be in awe of it? I mean, Romans in itself is proof that there is a God, right? Written in over two, almost 2,000 years ago. And you read it and you're like, is, like did, was this just published? Was this just happened? Like, like, everything is so relevant. It is the word of God and we have rejoiced in it. And, and as we get to the end, it's one last ch- opportunity for you and I, as we think about this book of Romans, to say what do you think about the gospel? How central is the gospel to your life? One of the themes that we talked about over and over again over the last two years is when it comes to the gospel, a lot of Christians think it's just how you get on the team, but that it has nothing to do with how you live out your life from day to day. And I hope you've seen that that is not the case. The gospel needs to be central to all that you do. This morning, do you believe that it is the power of God to save? When I say that, it is the power of God to justify, to sanctify, to glorify. Do you cling to the gospel every day? Has it so impacted you that you can't help but tell other people about what God has done in your life and what he could do in their lives if they place their hope and trust in him. Does God's plan of salvation cause you to worship every time you think of it, every time you you dwell upon it, every time you think about, well, (laughs) I'm reminded again today, if it was not for God's grace, I would have been damned for all of eternity. I would have been condemned, but he has saved me. When you look at those whom he has saved that you love in your life, as you think about over the the, the years and the centuries of all whom God has saved, both Jew and Gentile, does it cause you to worship? This morning, maybe there's some of you here who's like, yeah, I can't relate to any of that. Maybe there's some here this morning who are saying, I'm cold to the gospel. Yes, I believe it in my head, but my life is not walking that out in faith. Right now, instead of clinging to the gospel, you're clinging to sin in your life. There's certain sins in your life that you believe that it's okay. God will just forgive you and you can just kind of continue to live in that sin and somehow it will turn out well for you. 
There's some of you here that feel like the gospel is not enough, that you need something more. This morning, I'm praying that you would be reminded of God's strengthening power through the gospel today, that you would see that it is about the gospel and Jesus Christ alone, that we find hope, that we find faith, that we find love. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never been impacted by the gospel in your entire life. You've heard about Jesus, but you have never placed your trust in him. You still don't understand why you would need a savior. And again, I would pray today that you would see that you're being deceived. That you would see that, that you're not basically a good person. That you would see that, that there is a judgment to come. But that you would see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that all who place their hope and trust in him can come to the Father. I pray today you would see that. And so this morning, before we get into these last verses, I want us just to pray. I want us to examine our hearts before the Lord and say, God, where am I at in regards to my trust in the gospel and my trust in Jesus Christ? God, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Let's pray together. God, we need your help today. God, without your spirit, Without your power in our life, God, we would walk in rebellion against you for all of eternity. God, we're reminded of your great salvation today, even as we have reflected quickly on these 16 chapters and as we're about to look at these last verses in Romans. God, we, we pray that the gospel would be central to everything that we do. The gospel would not be, Lord, we pray that the gospel would not be an attack on, that Jesus would not just be our Savior, but that we would see him as our master, our Lord, our hope. That, God, we would have our eyes open to see the deceptiveness of sin in our own lives. God, that we would be quick to repent of that sin and see the freedom that you've purchased through Jesus Christ. And, God, we pray that that the change in our lives, that the hope in our lives would be evident to all who are lost and dying, to the lost of this world. God, would you help us to be witnesses who are bold for your namesake? And God, help us to be quick to give you praise and worship for every time, Lord, that we think of the gospel, for every, every soul that is saved. God, we, we will be spending all of eternity worshiping you for this great plan of salvation, Lord, that you have brought about through Jesus Christ. God, we pray that that would be our heart, even this morning. God, would you lead this preacher? Would you help us together learn more about who you are and all that you have for us, for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so everyone needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. We need to see that what this preacher is talking about is actually in the Bible, as we, we learned last Sunday. If it's not in the Bible, don't listen, right? We, we want to know his truth. doesn't matter what somebody says they are. doesn't matter if there's a, a, a little sign out front that says church. doesn't matter if a guy calls himself preacher, if it... If we're that church, that, that preacher is not preaching God's word, then move on. First, maybe warn them. First, maybe challenge them, and then move on. But if you need to, move on. 
God's word is everything. And we get to read it again in awe and wonder. And let's do that now as we read verse 21, uh, chapter 16, verse 21 of Romans. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, his, who is host to me and in the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and her brother Cordus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for, sorry, kept secret for long ages, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings have been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. If any person is to be right with God, that we need to embrace the whole gospel. Redemption, that is our challenge as individuals. That is our challenge as a church family. It is something that we do together when we put our faith and trust in Christ. It is no longer a solo project. We live out our faith together. And so together, we embrace the gospel. And embracing the gospel, first, we cherish the partners of the gospel. We've seen this in in verses 1 through 16 of of Romans, this, this beautiful picture of everyone that he's writing to. We see this great diversity of people, uh, people we know, people we don't know, men, women, Jews, Gentiles, poor, rich. There's this vast diversity of the church. And now as Paul turns his attention to those whom he's writing to, he now says, hey, these guys who are with me also send their greetings. He begins by saying, Timothy, my fellow worker greets you. Anybody here heard of Timothy? Okay, if you've been in Christ for very long, you've heard of Timothy. Two letters specifically written to Timothy. Six letters where we see that Paul, or sorry, sorry, that Timothy is with Paul as he's writing. This included being one of them. Timothy joined Paul after first being saved by Paul. He was the one who brought the gospel to Timothy. He got to, to, to mentor him. He got to disciple him. And, and on his second missionary journey, we see Timothy joining him. And Timothy was one of those guys that, that when Paul needed someone he could trust, he sent Timothy, right? Timothy, hey, could you go over to this city and do this? Can you remain here behind while I go on so that you can continue to encourage the people of faith here? And Timothy was like his right-hand man, right? And we need those kind of people in our lives that we can just turn to at any time. They say, hey, can can you do this for me? Right? Do you have those kind of people in your life? Maybe you're away from family. Do you have the kind of people in your life in this church where you can say, hey, we have an emergency. I got to take my wife to the hospital. You got our kids, right? I mean, that's a tough task, right? You have those kind of people in your life that, that you can entrust with your needs, the kind of people in your life that you can entrust with your secrets, with your discouragements, 
We all need those kind of people. And as we think about the, the, the church in the, in the early centuries, this is the kind of church that they had. This is the kind of people that they were. And so you need to be known and to be fully known in the church in order to have these kinds of relationships. And Paul had that in Timothy. We've all heard of Timothy. The next three guys, maybe not so much. Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, I don't know. Where's, where's uh, Michelle when I need him to, to help me translate these, okay? Um, we know this about them, what? They're kinsmen. They're kinsmen. They're, they're fellow Jews. They're, they're, they're people of the faith. Likely they're with Paul to take the offering to Jerusalem. They've, they've come from these different areas. Lucius, some people think that it's, um, it's, it's a variation of the word for Luke. The problem with that uh, theory is that it says kinsman. Luke was a Gentile, so probably not him. There is a Lucius mentioned in Acts chapter 13, but this is the same guy. We don't know for sure. Jason seems likely to have been the guy in Acts 17 who gave hospitality in Thessalonica for Paul. So that's probably where he's from, is Thessalonica. And then this last guy was likely from Berea, who was with Paul when he left Greece near the end of his third missionary journey. We see him mentioned in Acts chapter 20. So we just know a little bit about these guys. They're, they're, they're involved with Paul in the ministry, as we, as we learned uh, in chapters one, sorry, verses one through 16 of chapter 16, that, that they're working together. They're devoted to the mission together. And then we find out that there's this guy by the name of Tertius who's wrote this letter. Now, the liberals love to kind of take a verse like that and say, well, see, it wasn't Paul. Paul didn't write this letter. It was this guy. Well, that's not true. Okay, all you need to know is a little bit about the first centuries, you know, that it was often the case that they would have someone who would, dict the letter would be dictated and they would write it out. In some cases, it would be more like the kind of like a, Hey, um, here's kind of the informal notes of what I want you to say. Now write something, okay, in my words. That's not the case here. Paul would have been dictating these things, and he was writing these things down, and he's like, hey, why don't you say hey as well, All right? So he sends his greetings as well. He was the man who wrote these things down. Kind of thankful for this guy. That's all we know about him is that he wrote out the letter, but anyone here thankful for him, okay? That kind of significantly used by God, for us even today, 2,000 years later. Then there's this guy by the name of Gaius who is a host to him and the whole church. Now he's in Corinth, and it is thought that this guy, there's three different Gaiuses we see mentioned in the book of Acts. This guy is likely the guy from Corinth. His name, um, his full name is, is likely, uh, let me see if I can find it here, um, found in 1 Corinthians 1.14. And, and uh, Gaius Titius Justus, if I'm saying it right. And he had a large house next to the synagogue. And so when Paul was rejected, he had come to faith. He said, hey, why don't you stay at my house here? He's a man of wealth. He, 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 he uses his home for hospitality. Two different ways to look at this verse. Could be that they're just passing through. And, and the church is being used for his home. Like anybody who wanted, not just Paul, but anyone who was of faith, who wanted to stay at his place could, or more likely he'd actually had church at his house. 
right? And the whole church would gather at his home. The whole church of Corinth would gather at his home to worship together. He also sends his greetings. So this guy is using his wealth for the kingdom. Erastus, the city treasurer, likely also has a lot of money. If you want to like spend a bunch of time on historical stuff, you can kind of like try to figure out was the Erastus that's written on that marble stone that they found when they excavated the, the ground in Corinth, is that the same Erastus as this one? Super important for Sunday morning, so that's all I'm going to say about that, okay? All right. But there was a guy with it, probably, actually it's the same guy, the city treasurer guy. But he, he, he had a role taking care of the finances in the city. He's being used of God. He's with Paul. He says, hey, and then lastly, there's this brother, Cordus. What do we know about him? He's a brother. He's a believer. That's about all we know about him. And he also says, hey, right? They all send their greetings. And, and again, what? We, we, what have we seen here? There's this known, Timothy, unknown, Cordus. There, there, there's, there's both Jews and Gentiles. There's, there's, there's this diversity. And, and every single person matters. Do you think that is the case in the church here this morning? Is it just leadership of the church that really matters at the end of the day? Well, leadership is super important, right? You have bad leadership, you have a bad church. So yeah, that's important. But every single person in the body of Christ is important. We, we've been learning about that in the book of Romans. If you go back to chapter 12, everyone has been given a gift. Everybody's been given a responsibility. And there are no unimportant people in the body of Christ. And this morning, that should both intimidate you and encourage you, right? There is no riding the pine in the church. So maybe that's the intimidating part. You're like, well, I, I just thought that was somebody else's job. No, that's our job together. We get to serve Christ together. And God has gifted you in a particular way for a particular purpose. I like what Boa has to say about this section. History will know little and care less of what the average believer does in his or her life of faith. The faithful first century men and women who in the midst of the same fears, testings, limitations, and insecurities that we face continued to build the church. They did, not, they did, did so not in hopes of finding their names on the pages of history. They did it because they were faithful and because their names were already written on far more important pages than those of history. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And because of that, we serve him together. We serve in the church not for notoriety. We do so because Christ is our God, because he is our Lord, because he is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters in him. And so we sacrifice for one another. We love one another. We care for one another. We get involved in one another's lives. Let us remember that we are partners in the gospel. When we see someone discouraged, let us race to them and encourage them and strengthen them. When we see someone in sin, let us go with love and confront them and rescue them from that sin. When we see a brother doing well, let us yell encouragement to him. Keep running, brother. Keep going. In the second service, we're going to get to celebrate a young lady who, who has come to faith in Christ, Sydney. And we, we want to come around, go on along Sydney and say, she's just continuing the, starting the race. You've been running for 40, 50 years. You come alongside and say, hey, Sydney, keep running. 
It's an amazing race. It's a hard race, but run, run, run. We do this together. But as I said, we need to know one another. And so if this is the only involvement you have is watching online or, or sitting in a, in a seat here, it's not enough. You need to, to get to know one another so that you can serve one another. As Jason said, you got five and a half hours to fill those spots up, right? Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday are the openings. Anybody like free meals, okay? What's the cost? You'll have to get to know somebody, all right? That's a really good exchange, right? And in the body of Christ, we want to get to know one another. We want to do that. And so figure out what night that works for you, and, and then let's leave a waiting list, okay, by the end of today. In July, if you're a young person, that obviously is not me, but 18 to 25, there's a great opportunity for you to go into the wilderness and, and try to survive at Blue Brana Camp, okay, together. And, and if you're not a camper, even better, because everybody will really get to know you then, <laughs> right? There'll be, <laughs> there'll be no mask being worn there for sure. You know, the Christian mask that we sometimes wear, okay, that, that'll be gone after about 12 hours out there, right? So that's a great opportunity for you. Family camp, a great opportunity. This is our privilege to grow in our love and knowledge of one another, to spur one another on. I ask for your prayers. This Thursday, I'm flying over to Moldova. I, I get to, to go and meet with the brothers in, there and try to encourage them and strengthen them. They're, they're under great duress with a war just right next door to them. And, and you know, there's division even amongst the people as to how to even think about these things. And, and so pray that I could just be an encouragement to them as I go there. And then I, after that weekend, I'm driving over to Romania with the pastors there. And, and I'm going to be at the Senior Pastors and Wives Retreat from Monday through Thursday. And just encouraging them to look to Christ, to cling to the gospel. So would you pray for me as I go over? But this is our, our privilege together. Because you guys have been faithful, I'm able to go over and, and to encourage them. I'm just an extension of your love to them. Let us rejoice in the partnership we have in the gospel. Well, you'll notice, if you're a details kind of person, if you're not a details kind of person, you'll notice that we go from verse 23 to what? 25. Now, it's been a while since I've been in school, but I believe we missed a number, right? What was the number? Verse 24. Why does that sometimes happen in our Bibles? Does anybody know? Well, when the King James Version was written, they didn't have as many manuscripts available to them as we do today. They didn't have as many scholars working with them as we do today. And, and so they had some inferior manuscripts, they, they had some that had written in there, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Is that a bad thing that that would be in our Bible? No, nope, it's great. But it just was said in verse 20, and if we look at the most accurate manuscripts, we would find that it wasn't supposed to be in there. But at some point, somebody was really tired, they glanced up to verse 20 and wrote that out. And then the next guy came along and he wrote it out. And what I love is the integrity that we have. And, and we want the truth. We don't want to try to cover it up. We don't want to be like, well, you know, 
King James kind of start out that way, so I guess we just should keep it in there. No, we say, no, at the end of the day, it probably shouldn't be in there. And so there you have just that little note, that little footnote saying, hey, probably shouldn't be in there. If it's in there, it doesn't change anything. If it's not in there, it doesn't change anything. But for the integrity of trying to get back to the original manuscripts, you just have that little note. All right? Now let's get back to the text. All right? We cherish the partners of the gospel. Secondly, we comprehend the power of the gospel. Do you know the power of the gospel this morning? Does it fire you up when you consider the power of the gospel? Are you excited this morning about what, God, what the power of the gospel means in your life? He's beginning his doxology. All of this is culmination in praise and glory to him. Now to him. Him, in this particular case, is God. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. This word, who is able, it, 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 is, it is a certainty. Dynamo is, is the word here. It, it, is, it, is, it, it is 100%. He is able to do this. And what is he able to do? Stay rizzo. It is to cause someone to become stronger in the sense or of more firm and unchanging in attitude or belief, to strengthen, to make more firm. Stott says this, it, it is Paul himself, Paul himself uses the verb in his letters in relation to making Christians firm, strong and stable, whether in their faith against error, in their holiness against temptation, or in their courage against persecution. God is able to strengthen you through the gospel. We're going to see in just a moment. That's what he is doing. When, when, as we've seen last Sunday, that, that, that when error tries to come into the church, he is able to, to, to make you stand firm so that you're not tossed to and fro. Right? What, what do we see in the, in the scriptures in that regard? There are some who are babes in the faith and they're tossed to and fro. When you think about the world, what a picture of being tossed to and fro. I mean, I don't know how they keep up with the ever-changing, okay, what's true now? Okay. Is everyone agreed on that? Okay. Because like yesterday it was something different, but I guess we're supposed to just keep changing that. That's what they believe. Can you imagine kind of trying to live a life like that? And what the Bible is telling us here is the gospel keeps you firm. Standing in one spot, strengthened, so that no matter where the attacks are coming from, that, that nothing and no one can come against you when you stand firm in the gospel. So if somebody comes in and starts trying to, to deceive you through false teaching, God is able to make you stand strong. How? Through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. When temptation comes, what does the Bible tell you? There is no temptation that has overcome you, but such is common to man. And God is what? He is faithful to strengthen you, to help you, so that you will be able to say no to that temptation. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You've been giving yourselves over to sin over and over again, the same sins. God is able to strengthen you, to make you stand firm so that you're no longer knocked down by that sin. And what about when persecution comes against the church? God is able to strengthen you to establish you, as is uh, translated in many different times here. And the means by which he does this strengthening is the gospel. It is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Paul here refers, refers to it as my gospel. 
because of his being chosen by the Lord to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Any gospel that does not proclaim the centrality of Christ is not the true gospel. It's through Jesus Christ alone that everyone might be saved. Again, we're reminded that he who has saved us is saving us, and he will save us. It is all of him. It is through Christ and Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Anyone who would teach you, anyone who would say that there are other ways to heaven besides Jesus Christ is a liar, and would, if you would believe them, it will result in your condemnation. Acts 4.12 says that there is salvation in no one else. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, through the incarnation, laid down his life, and by his blood we are forgiven. His sacrifice was given once and for all. He took our sins upon himself and paid the debt that each one of us has owed. Every sin must be punished, and Jesus took our punishment upon himself on the cross. And everyone who places their faith in Christ will be saved. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you believe that this morning? Those who were dead in sin have now been made alive in Christ Jesus. We have been made new creations. We have been given the spirit of God to dwell within us that we might walk in newness of life. It is through all that Christ has done that God saves us and is saving us and will save us. Every single person who is saved is a miracle story. Your salvation is a far greater miracle than, than Lazarus being raised from the dead. Do you know that? We who were dead in our sins, unable to, to do anything right, we were enslaved in our sins. We were listening to our father, Satan, deceived. And because Christ has come, we have been freed from all of that. Anyone who places their faith and trust in him has been set free. The power to change wicked hearts and make them soft is the gospel. And he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. Do you believe that this morning? Do you embrace that this morning? Is there some here thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it? end of my life right now seems like a long ways away and I know I'm, I'm continually tempted and I and I will I really really make it or will I be of those who who turn their back will I be a Demas and and fall in love with the things of this world rather than Christ will I make it well I want to tell you this morning if you're in Christ not just knowing about him but truly in him today you will make it because he is the one who does it he is the one Put your hope and trust in him and him alone. May we know the power of the gospel. May we, thirdly, confess the provisions of the gospel. Where did this gospel come from? There's this incredible picture in these, these couple of verses here. He says that the plan of salvation is based on the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. That the gospel was a secret for long ages. 
1 Corinthians 2, 7 says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So there's like this, there's this tension, known but not known. Known before creation ever began. The plan of salvation, it was in the mind of God. It was declared, it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 7, before the ages for our glory. And then as you, as you read the scriptures, he, he would begin to, to unveil to us what it would be. From Genesis 3.15 on, we we're waiting for who's this one who will come and crush Satan? Who will it be? And we're given detail after detail after detail. But, but it was still a mystery, right? There was still this, this unknown, who is this one who is to come? All these promises given. And, and even those who were closest to Christ still didn't even understand while they walked with him for three years. No, no, Jesus, you won't die. Uh, yeah, I will. Nope, nope, you're not going to. And they were all, they were all there was this mystery about it. They, they didn't understand it. But Christ did come. He did die. And he was risen again. He says in verse 26, now has been disclosed. We, we now know who he is and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations. That the mystery that was not known has now been revealed in Christ. And after his death and resurrection, what does he do? He points to the prophetic writings. He's like, see? See all the things that were written of me? A mystery before, but now been declared through Jesus Christ. I love what Moose says here. This mystery, it means rather that is that one could not fully understand it, nor, and, and this is the special emphasis, experience it. We could not experience salvation through Christ until he came. To, to know what that means to place our hope and trust in him. He is the fulfillment of all that the prophets saying. The, the, those before, they, they looked forward in hope. But now we look back and we see what Christ has done. And the mystery was not just that salvation would come to the Jews, but what? That it would come to all mankind, both Jew and Gentile. And we, it, it took him like three chapters to kind of go through that, right? In chapters 9 through 11, he was like, yeah, yeah, Jew and Gentile together. Partial and hardening right now for the Jews, which has resulted in the Gentiles coming to faith. But at the end... When the last Gentiles come to faith, then they will look on the one whom they have pierced and they will place their hope and trust. The Jewish people will place their hope and trust in them en masse. Some Jews today being saved, but just a few. This mystery that we are now one in him. Romans 3, 21 to 22 says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For all who believe. In Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him. It's true. They all could say, yeah, we believe that. But now they have seen it. How that would happen. It was through the lineage of Abraham, who was Jesus Christ, 
who would die that all might be saved. After Romans 9 through 11, as he's just contemplated all these things, what was his, what was his response at the end of that? Do you remember? As he talked about this plan of salvation there, it was again a doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has, who has been his counselor, who, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This plan of salvation that God has made. It's incredible. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. You and I would never have come up with a plan like this. Let's be honest. But praise God, God did. And we are benefactors of that today. So let's embrace this provision of the gospel. And then lastly, let's communicate the proclamations of the gospel. We want to proclaim his message. We want to be those who proclaim his message. We see, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. As we break this down, we, we were reminded here that God in his perfect wisdom, he who is over all of eternity is also over all of history. And it was his time to do each and every part of the plan. We see that, that Christ is the center of all of history. It, it was all to culminate in him. It was God's plan. We see in 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21, 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21, he, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, Jesus, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Our eternal God, he is very much over all of history. I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. It's easy for us to think about that in a broad scope, right? Yeah, 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 he's over all of history. When we, we kind of keep it out there, we stop. We, we need to stop and think about it. It's like, like it's known right here, too, in my life. Uh, uh, God has a plan for my life. He's placed me in 2022 for a particular time, for a particular purpose. He's placed me in a particular workplace, a particular neighborhood. He brings people around me on a daily basis so that his kingdom might come, so that his will might be done on this earth as it is in heaven. He is over it all. He's the eternal God. The beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Salvation has come in your life at the right time, in the perfect way, as was his plan. Before your days were one of them, he knew the plan he had for you. And I pray that everyone can hear today. It's like, I know the day. I can tell you the day when Christ changed my life for all of eternity. And if you're not a believer this morning, somehow you're here. I would say, first of all, God brought you here. Nobody comes to a gym in the middle of nowhere by chance. All right? 
God brought you here. He wants you to hear that he is the Savior and that he would save you if you would place your hope and trust in him today. What an awesome God. Every one of us were people who rebelled against God and his commands. We were all slaves to our sin. We were all walking contrary to him. As, as Romans reminded us, we, we were enemies of him. But Christ has come that we might know his freedom and walk in righteousness. Do we note here it says he's, he's come to bring about the obedience of faith. The joy that is ours in Christ is able to walk in his ways. That is where life is found, is walking in his ways. The deception that Satan continually gives is that walking contrary to his ways is better. It is such a lie. And in, in the end, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. But God has come that we might have life. And so when you place your faith in him, you're then able to walk in obedience to him and know life as it's, you've never known it before. The joy of walking in, according to his ways and, and his plan. Schreiner says this, the gospel that takes hold of human beings changes them so they become servants of righteousness. Such a new behavior, however, has its roots in faith, in trusting God for the strength and power to live a new life. The gospel does not summon people to exercise their own moral virtue. It calls them to put their trust in God who raised Jesus from the dead. By trusting him, they will be filled with the power to live fruitful lives. Where does gentleness, self-control, love come from? It is from the Spirit of God as we submit to him. It is not something that we fabricate on our own. It comes by daily submitting to him and the power of the gospel. This morning, have you responded to the gospel with faith? It is the only right response Indifference, apathy to the message of the gospel results in eternal death. Anger, hostility towards the gospel results in condemnation. Thinking it's a nice message and even believing that it's true still results in condemnation if you don't place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This morning, think of it as a lifeline. If you're drowning, the only way that you will be saved is to grab onto that lifeline that somebody's tossed out to you. You can say, wow, that lifeline's really cool. That's great. I I'm sure it will save a lot of people. But if you don't grab onto it, you will die. The gospel can only save if you place your faith and trust in the Lord. It means to cling to him, just like you would cling to that lifeline when you were drowning. And when you cling to him, then you can be saved. Some of you here this morning think you have time. I'm not drowning yet. I still got more time. I wanna warn you, you do not know how much time you have left. 
Some of the young people here, you've grown up knowing about the gospel and you even believe it might be true, but you are living, living a lie thinking that somehow later you'll be able to grab the lifeline. That lifeline may be gone by the time you're ready to grab for it. Or you will just be killed instantly and you will never have had the chance. No one knows. But this morning, if God's tugging at your heart, I want to tell you, now is the time of salvation. Place your hope and trust in him for salvation and know that he is gracious and loving. And if you would repent of your sin today and place your trust in him, you will be saved. Maybe one last thing here. If there is no obedience in your life, then I would doubt your salvation. Well, I said a prayer one time. Okay, what did that mean? If it didn't mean I placed all my hope and trust in him and died to myself and now I live for him, then it wasn't nothing. That is what we need for salvation. Do you believe in the power of salvation here, church? The, the salvation that brings about the obedience of faith, are we declaring it? Are we seeing the, the people who are drowning around us every day? Are, 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 we, are, we, are we becoming numb to that? Or do we see it and are we, we were compelled to share this message that they too might be saved? I'm telling you right now that this world is going crazy, isn't it? I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old and I'm just getting cranky, I don't know, but I'm telling you, I think right now there is such a door for salvation. I think people are willing to listen. Don't listen to the media. Don't listen to, to, to anyone that they would tell you that, that, that you should be quiet. Let us be quick to share the gospel. There's so many hurting people right now. So many people considering suicide as the way out. We have hope. We have the truth. We have the way of salvation. Let us be casting lines to everywhere that we go, asking God to open up hearts that they might cling to that lifeline of the gospel. God, use us. And then as we witness, let us lastly not only proclaim his mission, let's proclaim his magnificence. It says in verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. To the only wise God. I mean, how else would you describe him? This one who has come up with this incredible plan of salvation, his wisdom is, is, is beyond our, our imaginations. It is, it, is, it is greater than we can ever think of. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His, his thought says this, God's wisdom is seen in Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Above all in his cross, which through foolish, though foolish to human beings is the wisdom of God. In God's decision to save the world, not through its own wisdom, but through the folly of the gospel in the extraordinary phenomenon of the emerging multiracial, multicultural church, and in his purpose, ultimately to unite everything under Christ. This is the God that we worship this morning. The all-wise God, the all-eternal God. The one who offers salvation through Christ. 
Every time you think of the gospel, does it cause your heart to worship? When you witness and you see someone get saved, does it not make your heart want to worship? And when you worship, does it not want to make you want to witness? We've seen this back and forth earlier in the book of Romans. When we embrace the whole gospel, we can't help but worship and witness. Witness and worship. May God help us to walk in faithfulness to this glorious gospel. He ends by saying, Amen. May it be so, Lord. May it be so. This morning we've been reminded that we are partners in this incredible gospel. May we as a people continually be reminding one another of these awesome truths. When, when, when we're going through our trials, when we're going through our temptations, what do we need more than anything? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to be reminded of who we are in him. That's what we need more than anything else. Do we understand that? And let us encourage one another with these awesome truths. Let us be reminded that the gospel is power, powerful, powerful to save, to, to justify you, to sanctify you, to glorify you. This gospel plan is awesome. It was hidden and yet declared known for all eternity, but now revealed through Jesus Christ. And so let us declare this message to all mankind that they might walk in obedience and righteousness to the praise of his name for all of eternity. Amen? Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for this glorious gospel. The hope that is ours through Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that we are saved. Christ has borne our sin. He's paid the penalty. He's given us his righteousness. Lord, you've given us of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we might walk in your ways. Lord, you've given us of your spirit that we might walk in your wisdom each day, that, that we might see the great needs around us, that we might proclaim the glorious great news to the lost and dying around us. God, we pray that we would walk in faithfulness to you in all ways. Lord, we pray that any good that is seen will result in praise to your name. Lord, you deserve all praise. You are worthy. And so, God, we pray, would you use this church to be a beacon of light for your namesake? Lord, may the gospel ring forth from this place. May it be evident in the way that we live our lives and may it be evident in the way that we proclaim your good name. Lord, we love you. We thank you for saving us. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never bowed their knee before you, who's never reached out and clung to that lifeline of the gospel, God, today, would you save them? For your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.